You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is confident the debt ceiling won't go up, New Zealand's Prime Minister will not be seeking re-election, and Brian Walsh has been charged with his wife's murder. Here's your national news recap for the week of January 15th. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is confident the U.S. won't default on its debt. Periodically, the debt ceiling has to be lifted, and uh, it's always a rather contentious uh, effort. His comments come as the U.S. hit its debt ceiling Thursday, prompting the Treasury Department to spend new investments in some federal retiree funds. McConnell told reporters in Louisville, Kentucky, Congress will come to a resolution to raise the debt limit before the Treasury exhausts its extraordinary measures in June. He said the U.S. has never defaulted on its debt and never will. Republicans in the House have demanded spending cuts to lift the debt ceiling. Democrats and the White House want to raise the limit without conditions. President Biden visited storm-damaged areas of California's Central Coast Thursday, as many of those areas are still underwater. Santa Cruz County Supervisor Felipe Hernandez says lots of people need help recovering from weeks of rain and flooding. People don't have access to online applications, so we need things like satellite offices that could come here on site. Biden visited Santa Cruz and Monterey counties, among others hardest hit by the week's long series of storms. He'll consider the amount of federal support needed for relief efforts. Last weekend, he approved a major disaster declaration for multiple California counties. Republicans aren't letting up on President Biden after classified documents were found in his offices. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas says the scandal keeps getting bigger. He had him in the Penn Center. He had him in the residence. You got to wonder where Joe Biden didn't have classified documents. He says there's proof that the president's son, Hunter, had access to the documents that were stored in the garage of the Delaware home. Photos found on his laptop put him in the president's Corvette back in 2017. The Supreme Court still doesn't know who leaked the bombshell abortion draft ruling. In May, Politico published a leaked draft of a Supreme Court opinion on a case that eventually led to Roe v. Wade being overturned. The leak, which turned out to be accurate, led a political firestorm and accusations of inner sabotage. A draft report out Thursday says the high court has no clue who leaked the draft. House Republicans are launching an investigation into President Biden's handling of the southern border. The House Oversight Committee will hear testimony from Border Patrol officials the week of February 6th. Committee Chair James Comer said the president's policies, quote, ignited the worst border crisis in American history. Comer also sent a letter to DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas requesting a sweeping set of documents and internal communications related to the agency's border policies. The White House earlier this month unveiled a series of measures to get the number of migrants crossing into the U.S. under control. 
The family of the child accused of shooting his first grade teacher at a Virginia elementary school is out with a statement claiming the firearm had been properly secured. The family's attorney didn't identify them but stated they've been cooperating with local law enforcement in Newport News in addition to the feds. Meanwhile, WAVY reports the family says they're not sure how the six-year-old child accessed the legally owned gun. They added, our family has always been committed to responsible gun ownership and keeping firearms out of the reach of children. It says the child was under hospital care because he suffers from an acute disability. His parents had been attending school with him every day prior to the shooting. The day of the incident was the first week when they weren't with the child, for which the parents express deep regret. The family says they're praying for his teacher and ask for prayers for their son as well. Senator Rick Scott is sounding off on the immigration crisis. The Republican says there has been an unprecedented number of migrants landing in the Florida Keys. About 2% of the Cuban population has traveled to this country in the last 12 months. Way bigger than the Mario boat lift. Uh, and you know, look, there's wonderful people, but there's also drugs, there's also criminals, and there are also uh, terrorists. To handle the influx, the Florida Highway Patrol has 20 extra troopers in Monroe County. Border Patrol has 25 extra officers, and the Coast Guard has brought in three more cutters. Governor Ron DeSantis has activated the Florida National Guard to help local officials respond after the arrival of more than 700 mostly Cuban migrants over New Year's weekend alone. Indiana's Supreme Court is hearing arguments in a challenge to the state's near-total ban on abortion. Describing SB1 as a total ban on virtually all abortions, while certainly accurate, sanitizes the harm that it will cause. ACLU legal director Ken Falk says the ban is a threat to anyone pregnant in Indiana because it halts necessary medical care. A county judge blocked the law in September after abortion care providers, including Planned Parenthood and Whole Women's Health, challenged it shortly before the law was to take effect. They argue it violates the state constitution's right to liberty. Alec Baldwin is being charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter in the deadly 2021 shooting on the film set of Rust in New Mexico. Alec Baldwin has consistently denied that he pulled the trigger of that Colt 45 here. But that FBI forensic, they say that there was no way possible that the functioning of that gun could have fired without him pulling the trigger. NBC News' Vaughn Hilliard says cinematographer Helena Hutchins was shot and killed when Baldwin fired a prop gun loaded with a real bullet. Armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is also facing the same charges as Baldwin. The Hutchins family is reacting to the charges. An attorney released a statement on behalf of the cinematographer's family after Baldwin was charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. The statement said, It's a comfort to the family that in New Mexico, no one is above the law. The statement added, We support the charges and will fully cooperate with the prosecution. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Connor Brown with your international news report. With all sources coming from Reuters, Western allies pledged billions of dollars in weapons for Ukraine on Thursday, and some promised to send the tanks Kyiv as requested if Berlin agrees. But Germany gave no sign of lifting a veto on deliveries of fears would provoke Moscow. The issue looks set to dominate Friday talks in Germany between Western allies at Ramstein, Washington's main European airbase. Fearing winter will give Russian forces time to regroup and unleash a major attack, Ukraine is pushing for the German-made Leopard battle tanks, which are held by an array of NATO nations, but whose transfer to Ukraine requires Germany's approval. Our people are dying every day, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky told German ARD television late on Thursday. If you have Leopard tanks, give them to us. 
Ukraine needed them to defend itself, recapture occupied land. It did not plan to attack Russia, he added. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, a social democrat, has been reluctant to send weapons that could be seen as provoking Moscow. Many of Berlin's Western allies say that concern is misplaced, with Russia already fully committed to war. While Russia has repeatedly said Western weapon transfers would prolong the war and increase suffering in Ukraine. A German government source previously said Berlin would lift its objections if Washington sends its own Abram tanks. True leadership is about leading by example, not about looking up to others. There are no taboos, tweeted Zelensky's advisor, Mikhailo Podolyak. From Washington to London, from Paris to Warsaw, you hear one thing. Ukraine needs tanks. Tanks are the key to ending the war properly. The Leopard 2 tanks, workhorse of militaries across Europe, and which Germany made in the thousands during the Cold War, required Germany's approval before being transferred to other countries. Meanwhile, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and the new German Defense Minister Boris Pistorius met in Berlin, but there's no update on the tank decision. For the second story of the day, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern on Thursday made a shock announcement that she had no more in the tank to lead the country and would step down and not seek re-election. Ardern, holding back tears, said it had been a tough five and a half years as prime minister and that she was only human and needed to step aside. I'd hope to find a way to prepare for not just another year, but another term, because that is what this year requires. I've not been able to do that, Ardern told a news conference. I know there will be much discussion in the aftermath of this decision as to what the so-called real reason was. The only interesting angle you will find is that after going on six years of some big challenges, that I am human, she continued. Politicians are human. We give all we can for as long as we can, and then it's time. And for me, it's time. Ardern burst onto the global scene in 2017 when she became the world's youngest female head of government at age 37. Riding a wave of Jacinda mania, she campaigned passionately for women's rights and an end to child poverty and economic inequality in the country. Tributes poured in after Ardern's announcement, even though her popularity has dipped and support for her party has fallen. World leaders voiced appreciation for Ardern, became one of the most recognizable global figures during the COVID-19 pandemic and after mass shootings at two mosques in 2019. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said, The difference you have made is immeasurable. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Root said they exchanged text messages on Thursday, adding, I believe that she is a formidable leader in New Zealand, but also in the region and in the UN. For our final story of today, tens of thousands of nurses across England walked out of hospitals on Wednesday on strike over low pay that they say leaves them struggling to cover their bills and extreme stress at work that has pushed many to the edge. Nurses like ambulance workers, train drivers, teachers, postal workers, and employees in many other sectors are taking industrial action in search of better pay and conditions as inflation tops 10% while their wages rise much more slowly. This job is slowly killing nurses said David Hendy, a 34-year-old nurse joining around 100 others on the picket line outside University College London Hospital. That was one of the dozens of protests taking place as part of strikes by the Royal College of Nursing, the second wave of its industrial action, having walked out in mass for the first time in its 100-year history in December. The nursing workforce in the last 10 years has been through hell and back. We've got through COVID. I've got colleagues who've died from COVID. I myself have had it three times, Hendy said, holding back tears. Morale is rock bottom. The government has so far resisted pressure to meet nurses' demands for a discussion about pay, insisting it will not revisit the 4 to 5% it rewarded in 2022-2023 on the recommendation of a pay review body. We will only discuss the pay review process for 2023-2024. Health Minister Steve Barclay told reporters during a visit to the hospital on Wednesday he was disappointed by the strikes and that meeting nurses' pay demands would be unaffordable. We want to work constructively with trade unions in terms of this coming year's pay review process. 
recognizing the pressures of inflation and recognizing the pressures on the National Health Service, he said. Others on the PIGA line echoed Hendy's concerns, stressing that the dispute was about more than just pay. The workload is phenomenal now, and patients are more sicker than they've ever been, said Victoria Banerjee, 44 years old and mother of two teenagers who has been a nurse for 20 years. Nevertheless, with inflation at 10.5%, according to data released on Wednesday, and food and drink prices rising at the fastest since 1977, pay still sits at the heart of the protest. And that was Connor Brown with your international news report. This is the local news, and I am Carly Murray. The husband of a missing Massachusetts mother was charged with her murder on Wednesday. Although Anna Walsh's body has not yet been found, Brian Walsh is accused of dismembering her body due to internet searches following her disappearance on New Year's Day. He is also awaiting federal sentencing in a fake Andy Warhol paintings case. Environmentalists are expressing concerns as seven dead whales have appeared on the Jersey Shore in a month. There is speculation that offshore wind development may be responsible, but there are no plans to halt this activity yet. A missing mother from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, was found dead on Wednesday, two weeks after her disappearance. 43-year-old Jennifer Brown was found partially buried in Royersford. Police continue to investigate and search for suspects. A 49-year-old Pennsylvania woman allegedly killed her parents and dismembered them with a chainsaw on Tuesday. Verity Beck was discovered with her parents' bodies at the home that they shared by her brother, who then called police, according to investigators. Verity Beck was arrested and charged with the murder of her parents, Reed Beck, 73, and Miriam Beck, 72. New York Senator George Santos, who has faced recent scrutiny over alleged fabrications of his career and his past, was discovered to have competed in drag beauty pageants in Brazil 15 years ago. Santos, who supported the Florida Don't Say Gay bill as an openly gay Republican congressman, denies any claims of performing as a drag queen in the past. Governor Phil Murphy is pushing for public colleges to be transparent with their finances. He is backing a package of legislation that would require colleges and universities to provide the Office of Higher Education with fiscal reports every year. If they are in bad standing, they will risk being under a monitor. Another bill would require these schools to make the reports public and enhance fiscal training for board members and trustees. Senator Joe Cryan is sponsoring the measure, saying students who pay the bills should know their investments are being used responsibly. New Jersey lawmakers are working to bolster protections for youth sports officials. Assembly members say bipartisan legislation would increase penalties for people who assault referees or coaches. Local congressmen are introducing legislation to fight against the MTA's congestion pricing plan for parts of Manhattan. Hudson Valley Republican Mark Lawler joined Democrat Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey to unveil the Anti-Congestion Tax Act while criticizing the MTA's plan. Their legislation would ban the U.S. Department of Transportation from awarding capital investment grants to MTA projects until drivers already paying a toll receive an exemption to any congestion tax. The tri-state area is still starved for snow. As of now, there is no significant snow in the forecast, but just rain due to the at or above average temperatures in the region. On Friday, the temperature warmed up to around 50 degrees, and it's going to be in the low to mid-40s for the whole weekend, with rain heading in for Sunday evening. In the meantime, there is another chance of rain midweek that might end up as a mix of precipitation. There is a push to ban the sale of flavored tobacco in New York, On Thursday, members of the NAACP, along with several health groups and city leaders, gathered at City Hall. 
The CDC says flavored tobacco lures children into smoking at a young age as early as middle school. Two-time RuPaul's Drag Race winner Jinx Monsoon made her Broadway debut on Monday in the long-running musical Chicago for a limited engagement that ends March 12th. This is the first time that the role of matron Mama Morton has been portrayed by a drag queen. It turns out that a story about an abandoned alligator in Neptune, New Jersey is not true. Police say that an alligator found in a plastic bin on Banks Avenue was left there by its owner, who had recently been evicted. An acquaintance called the police, claiming that he found the reptile. The SPCA says the two face charges. The alligator has a new home at the Cape May Zoo. I am Carly Murray, and that was the local news. I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. Dr. Mae Jemison, the first black woman in space, led Rowan University's 37th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Scholarship Breakfast and Day of Service on January 16th with an address that was both fully grounded and astronomical, after which WGLS had conducted an interview, and here is what she had to say. My world was always about creativity, about exploration and discovery and challenge. So all of those things had some combination of them. And when I was in college, I also majored in African studies. The depth was in linguistics because I took two years of Swahili and then I did a lot of work on African politics. What does that mean? That means that I started to see different perspectives in the world. And so how that's influenced me now is that I've always recognized that sociocultural issues influence our science and our science influences how we interpret, see, and act on social cultural issues. It influences our ambition. And it helped me with my focus in terms of the work I do today, which is a lot, um, I lead a project called 100 Year Starship. Our emphasis is on how do we get a global community involved in it and how do every step of the way we benefit life here on earth because that's the point. Dr. Mae Jemison will join WGLS Public Affairs Director Megan Steckler on an upcoming community affair. 30 officers from 25 South Jersey Police Departments learned how to write effective grant proposals during a two-day course at Roan University. The course presented by Law and Justice Studies professors in the College of Humanities and Social Sciences was developed after officials from the office of Congressman Andy Kim asked Rowan to consider a class to help police agencies gain resources to help them better serve their communities. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the sports world. Starting in the NFL, let's debrief Super Wild Card Weekend. Starting with the first game of the weekend, let's talk about Seattle versus San Francisco. After a tough start to the game for now starting quarterback Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant calmed his nerves, leading the 49ers to a 41-23 win over Geno Smith and the Seahawks. For the second game of the weekend, the Los Angeles Chargers traveled to Jacksonville, Florida for a matchup with the Jaguars. The Chargers started to run away with the game immediately following kickoff, holding a 27 
seven to nothing lead with just over five minutes left until halftime. Following 27 first half points, the Chargers offense disappeared, scoring just three points via a Cameron Dicker field goal after halftime. Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson capitalized on LA's offensive blunders, mounting an unreal comeback. Final score, Jaguars 31, Chargers 30, as the Jaguars pull off the impossible. Breezing through the remaining wildcard matchups, the Bills won a tight contest against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday as Skylar Thompson nearly did the impossible. Despite two interceptions thrown by Josh Allen, Buffalo won 34-31 over Miami. Traveling from Buffalo to Minnesota, the New York Giants pulled off a narrow upset against the three-seed Minnesota Vikings behind a stellar performance from quarterback Daniel Jones. Final score from Minneapolis, 31-24 as New York advances to the divisional round for the first time since winning it all in 2011. The Ravens of Baltimore and the Bengals of Cincinnati capped off Sunday's football festivities with Tyler Huntley starting for the injured Lamar Jackson. Despite the Bengals being heavy favorites in this matchup, the Ravens made Cincinnati earn every single point. Final score, 24-17 Bengals as they move on to the divisional round. And finally, checking in on the Monday night primetime matchup between the Cowboys and Buccaneers in Tampa, Florida. In what may have been his final game in the National Football League, Tom Brady underperformed in a big way. Due to a struggling offense and an exhausted defense, the Cowboys trampled Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 31-14 on primetime. Following the results of Super Wild Card Weekend, here are the divisional round matchups scheduled for this weekend. To start us off, the Jaguars will travel to Arrowhead Stadium Saturday for a 4.30 p.m. battle with the number one seed Kansas City Chiefs. Following Chiefs vs. Jaguars, Philadelphia and the number one seeded Eagles will host their NFC East rival, the New York Giants. Kickoff for this game is scheduled for 8.15 p.m. The Bengals and Bills will begin Sunday football action as the Bengals travel to Frigid Buffalo for a matchup with the Bills. Kickoff is scheduled for 3 p.m. in that game. And finally, wrapping up the divisional round playoffs, the San Francisco 49ers will host the Dallas Cowboys to cap off the weekend, with kickoff set for 6.30 p.m. between the Cowboys and 49ers. Here at Rowan Radio, we would like to recognize the Rowan men's basketball team for their stellar play as of late. With less than a month left in the season, the profs currently sit at 14-3 overall, while 10-0 in conference play as Rowan remains undefeated against NJAC opponents. This has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Fewer than 200,000 Americans are seeking first-time unemployment benefits. The Labor Department says that there were 190,000 applications for benefits last week. That's a drop of 15,000 from the previous week's total that stayed the same. The largest increases for the week that ended on January 7th happened in California, New York, and Texas. New Jersey, Connecticut, and Iowa saw the largest declines. Bitcoin has begun 2023 on a high note. Prices of the world's largest digital token up roughly 28% since the start of January. Aaron Rayal reports. Bitcoin's price rose above $21,000 per coin for the first time since November 7th this past weekend. It's still a far cry from the almost 69,000 record high Bitcoin hit in November of 2021, but it has given market players a little bit of optimism. Analysts say the rally is due in part to increased probability of interest rate hikes slowing down, as well as purchases by large buyers known as whales. 2022 was a brutal year for cryptocurrency, which saw scandals, insolvency, and the collapse of trading platform FTX. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. 
The CEO of one of the world's largest consumer goods companies is predicting prices will keep rising. Unilever CEO Alan Jope made that comment during an interview with CNBC at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Unilever owns brands such as Ben & Jerry's and Axe. Jope said the market might be at peak inflation, but probably not peak prices. He added that while there may be further price increases on goods to come, the rate of price increases is probably peaking around now. Microsoft is the latest tech company moving forward with massive layoffs as part of cost-cutting measures. Microsoft says it plans to lay off 10,000 employees by the end of March. CEO Sadia Nadella cited changing demands for digital services and recession fears among the reasons for the layoffs. Meta and Amazon both laid off at least 10,000 employees in 2022. Cisco, Carvana, and Twitter each laid off around 4,000 employees. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Colon. A former American Idol contestant from season 13 has died. CJ Harris made it to the top six during his time on the music competition show in 2014. TMZ reports a family member confirmed Harris died after suffering a heart attack in his home in Alabama. He was just 31 years old. Actor Jeremy Runner is out of the hospital and recovering at his home following a New Year's Day snowplow accident. It happened when Runner was trying to help a family member that was stuck in the snow when he was run over by his snowplow. The actor underwent two surgeries after suffering blunt chest trauma. Runner could take up to two years before he completely recovers. Pop singer Billie Eilish is seeking a restraining order against a man accused of breaking into her family's California home. Eilish's father says the 39-year-old man arrested earlier this month has shown up at the home several times since late December. TMZ reports the man professed his love for the singer and hopped a fence at her parents' home, hoping to meet her. Kevin Spacey is denying claims that he walked away from life in the public eye. He made that statement to reporters in northern Italy after he was accused of sexual misconduct in 2017. He told the Italian outlet Anaza he's not coming back to public life because he never left it. Ticketmaster has been accused of price-fixing and antitrust violations. A Senate committee will hold a hearing later this month to investigate a lack of competition in the ticketing industry. The scheduled hearing for January 24th comes two months after Ticketmaster's chaotic rollout of pre-sale tickets for Taylor Swift's Eras tour, which prevented many fans from getting tickets. Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar said the hearing will focus on how the consolidated ticketing industry harms both consumers and artists. It's estimated Ticketmaster controls 70% of the market for ticketing and live events in the U.S. Cardi B is back in court after failing to start her mandated community service. The rapper was accused of ordering an attack on two strip club bartenders in 2018, but got a plea deal last September, receiving 15 days of community service as punishment. She was supposed to complete that community service by this week, but so far has done zero hours. On Tuesday, a New York judge granted her an extension, and she now has until March 1st to finish. Madonna is revealing the dates for her upcoming world tour. Madonna, the celebration tour, will see the pop star perform her years of chart-topping hits. The tour starts in Vancouver on July 15th and wraps up in Las Vegas on October 7th in the U.S. 
Prince Harry's newly released memoir, Spare, is now the fastest-selling nonfiction book of all time. The book details Harry's relationships with his father, King Charles, and brother, Prince William, and gives new insights into his life in the royal family. During the first day of its release, Spare sold nearly one and a half million copies, blowing away previous record holder Barack Obama's A Promised Land, whose first day sales totaled less than 900,000 copies. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.